Welcome to Ex Libris On Air and the stories behind the stories of today's literature and their authors. A presentation of Ex Libris Publishing, host Steve Jorgensen connects with a writer to share the vision and inspiration behind their works. Insightful, informative, and always entertaining, please welcome host Steve Jorgensen and this week's edition of Ex Libris On Air. The title of the book, Knowledge Revealed, Discover Hidden Secrets in the Bible. And the author is Sarah M. Millard, and Sarah joins us now on Ex Libris On Air. Hello, Sarah. Hello, Steve. Well, first of all, we want everyone to know that Sarah is a mother of five children, a grandmother of 21 grandchildren, and she has 36 great-grandchildren. So it's an honor. It's a great honor to have you on the show, Sarah. Thank you. And, of course, your book, Knowledge Revealed, you say is to teach revelatory meaning to various biblical subjects in a reporting analogy in a reporting analogy way that is seldom brought to light or revealed otherwise. So you're taking each chapter as a particular biblical concept, and basically you received revelation concerning these subjects that you were wanted to learn more about. Is that correct? That's correct. Well, before we find out about the the different subjects that you cover in your book, uh, you have a lot of different topics. We're not going to get to many of them, but to give everyone an idea of of the way you received revelation from the Lord and, and uh, what it means to you, tell us a little bit about your background, Sarah, a little bit about yourself and why you decided to write your book. Uh, at age 10, I realized my need of accepting Christ uh, as, as my Savior. And now at 84, and it will be on November 17th, I have felt compelled to know the truth in the Bible as I can. A scripture to turn to is First John 2, 21 and 27. And that tells us that we don't need to go to a Bible school. We have the Holy Spirit to teach us. Uh, so the thing that, it, that inspired me to write this is that I just felt the, the nudge of the, of the Lord telling me that I needed to do this. And I had a burning desire to share with others what the Lord has revealed to me during seriously studying His Word. All right. Now, you have, you have two favorite biblical verses. Uh, Please, let's see, they're Philippi, uh, Philippians 1, verse 21, and Philippians 4, verse 13. Do you have those? Yes. I can pause. Okay. Why don't you read those to us and tell us why they're so important to you? All right. Philippians uh, one twenty-one says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. In other words, it's better to be in heaven than here, but while I'm here, I have to do his work. And then in 4, uh, 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, instead of saying I can't do things, well, then I can say, well, I can do this with Christ strengthening me. Okay? 
Very good. So this book, you got these answers to prayers concerning what you were, what you wanted to learn about. Is that's basically how you approach these different topics in your book? Yes. Well, I might be reading along and realize, well, I just read or just overlooked this thing before, but now I really want to know the meaning of it. So we'll take, for instance, um, uh, Aaron's rod. It's in the, um, oh, what do you call it? In, in the Ark of the Lord. And um, I wondered, the Lord had 12 different um, families there. And um, he asked them all to take a rod and lay it at a certain place. And uh, he would pick the one that he wanted. And so he picked Aaron's rod. And when he picked that, uh, I asked the question, well, why did he pick Aaron's rod? And I found out that his rod was of almond wood. And almond wood is the first to blossom and bear fruit in the spring. And it has white, smelly flowers. And this spoke of resurrection, like the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Christ is the first fruit to come forth out of the grave. And, um, yeah, and, and it indicates whiteness. Understand? Well, you very good. And, and some may not agree with your uh, revelations, but uh, these are your revelations. This is what you right. received, and and so you're not apologizing, and apologizing for them in any way. This is just you expressing what you've learned through the Holy Ghost, right? That's right. Now, you've also laid out this book in a not-so-conventional way. Tell us how you laid out the book. I picked uh, chapters, names of the things that uh, I have felt I wanted to share with others that they may not know. Right. So right. you had, uh, you know, you, you this book is... It's over. It's about two hundred and fifty pages long, and and they're they look like they're uh, the chapters aren't that long, but you you cover a lot of different topics. Right, and I've used scripture to back up what I have said. In other words, what I said mostly was it was revealed to me, and not uh, not my own opinions. Very good. Now, also you. You had the book printed in a different way. The reason is that uh, in the, in your regular Bible, the verses and the lines are so close together. If you get some kind of a thought that you wanted to put in there and for your future use, there's no room for it. But by double spacing the lines, it leaves the student and the reader a possibility of writing in there their thoughts that they can come back to later. And you have the type set at a larger, a larger uh, font as well. Right, that's so that everybody can read it. It isn't tedious. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, let's cover some of these uh, topics, uh, these principles that you have in your book. Uh, do you have any one that you know some favorite ones that you'd like to talk about? I don't know. You you pick one off if I can remember what I did. Okay. All right. Well, I'm looking here at your uh, table of contents. 
uh, right here in the part one, you talk about the the sevenfold spirit. What are these seven spirits? Okay. That's in chapter uh, six. That's in chapter six. Right. It's on page 35. Right. Mm -hmm. Page 35. Well, if you go to the book of Revelation, I believe it's chapter one, verse four, it talks about the sevenfold spirit. And almost always, I, I say always in the, um, if you find something in the New Testament, it's also already been there in the Old Testament. And um, if you turn to, uh, from Revelation to Isaiah, you find a parallel of the Old Testament scriptures with New Testament scriptures. Um, and the spirit of the Lord is one, spirit of wisdom is two. The spirit of understanding is three, the spirit of counsel is four, the spirit of might is five, the spirit of knowledge six, and the fear of the Lord is spirit seven. Very good, Sarah. I think the important thing for everyone to remember is that you've been a student of the Bible for how long? At least 70 years. 70 years. And it, in Putting together your book, was this the first time that you have felt the uh, revelation so clearly? Before, you know, have you have you done other writing where you had this kind of an experience? Well, not really. Um, I've written two other books. One is uh, the Adventures of Sally. That's my nickname, The Adventures of Sally on Barkley Mountain. That's the bi biology or bio biography of my life as a child on Barkley Mountain when I accepted the Lord. <clears throat> and the other one that I wrote was uh, Underneath Are the Everlasting Arms. <clears throat> and um, that is of the prison ministry that we did. Right, you did that prison, prison ministry with your husband, didn't you? Yes. That must have been, a, must have been an amazing experience. Yes, it was. We had um, <clears throat> taken a year. He was a teacher, and he took a sabbatical leave to um, go to work with Copa uh, uh, Ministries, which is, which is a ministry through prisoners. And it was really uh, enlightening and exciting. But as far as these revelation <clears throat> knowledge that I'm speaking about in this book, is is a separate entity. Well, let's talk about another chapter. Here's chapter 15, The Rapture. Fix Upon These Scriptures is the title of the chapter, and that's page 81. Uh, share with us about this, this topic where you received revelation. All right. <clears throat> For many years, people have known about um, Abraham and Lot and how Lot went down into, well, first Abraham and Lot were sharing pastures for their animals, and Lot chose a better part, and he went down into Sodom and Gomorrah area. And um, so down in there, things got pretty nasty with um, sexual perversion and all that stuff. But Lot made, was able to stay 
opinion of all of that. But anyway, the story is in Genesis chapter 18 and 19, where these three men came to uh, visit Abraham out there in the desert, wherever it was. Anyway, ultimately, <clears throat> these three men uh, left Abraham, and at least two of them went on down to visit Sodom. And down there, they got into a whole bunch of trouble. And uh, ultimately, and, and sometimes these men are called angels, and sometimes they're called men. Uh, the two of them went on down to uh, be with Lot, and uh, Lot took them in his house because he didn't want the vileness of the people to get to them. Well, ultimately, the, the, the story behind this is that this, de this depicts the rapture of the church. Lot was, uh, was there, and he took these men in, but... And the, the one of the, or somehow the Lord told um, Lot to take his wife and his family and his uh, sons and daughters, anyway, to get out of Sodom and Gomorrah because he, he couldn't do anything there to to dis, uh, to destroy this area because of their sin until the, the believers were gone. And um, this is a, a depiction of the rapture of the church. Some people say that rapture will not take place until after the Great Tribulation. But this indicates to me that he will take the Christians out of this world before the Great Tribulation. Uh, because the, the angel says, come, get you out of here, because I can do nothing until you are gone. So this is the revelation here that the Christians will be taken out of this world before the great tribulation sets in. Is that okay? Very good, Sarah. We appreciate you sharing. Uh, Sarah M. Millard, she is the author of her book, Knowledge Revealed, Discover Hidden Secrets in the Bible. These are revelations that have come to Sarah concerning different topics that she has uh, wondered about, and she's prayed about it and received these insights that she's sharing with everyone. Uh, Sarah, tell us how we can get your book. Well, you can get it through Ex Libris. Ex Libris, it means, I'll spell it, X-L-I-B-R-I-S is a, a company under Author Solutions. And... Uh, Ex Libris means library, as I understand it. And you can go to Ex Libris and uh, get it. Or you can come to my uh, my website, which is Knowledge Revealed. Excuse me. It's www.knowledgerevealedbook.com. And as far as Ex Libris goes, uh, www.exlibris.com or Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble.com. Right. That, you can get them at any, answer? really, at any online retail okay. outlet such as Amazon or uh, Barnes & Noble. And, of course, right. 
knowledgerevealedbook.com, Sarah's website. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for being with us on Ex Libris On Air. Thank you for asking me. And um, I, I hope that I've done all right. You've done great. Thank you. Yeah, I have a, a, a raspy voice, and it isn't good for this type of stuff, but I hope it's okay. We appreciate you being with us, Sarah. Thank you. Ex Libris returns after these short messages. Hi everybody, this is Pete Six of Beatles and Beyond. Why don't we all come together and hear some of the tracks off the latest Beatles release on this radio station. Why don't you look up the schedules on this radio station and join me and Beatles listeners everywhere to hear these latest releases from the Beatles on Beatles and Beyond with Pete Dix. Connect with Juliana and connect with what lies beneath. Friday afternoons at 4, 3 central on toginet.com. Juliana is a marriage, family, and child therapist who wants people to connect. Connect with what lies beneath, those truths and answers. And through her counseling practice, she has helped others find their personal power and fulfill their dreams. And she wants to do the same for you. Here on Connect with Juliana, through intimate discussions, intriguing subject matters, and the expertise of her guests. For more on the show and Juliana, check out her webpage, connectwithjulianainmedia.com. Juliana will cover it all. Nothing is off limits. She wants to know what matters to you. Make the connection. Tune in to Toginet to connect with Juliana to find out the facts that could be hidden beneath the surface. Connect with Juliana on Toginet to make a quality connection in your life. Friday afternoons at 4, 3 central on toginet.com. Back to Ex Libris with your host, Steve Jorgensen. Greetings for Steve Jorgensen and for Ex Libris On Air. This is Jay Douglas Barker. Today I'm honored to visit with Anna Cohen, who has written a wonderful book titled Parenting the Middle Years Made Easy A Bag of Tricks Approach to Parenting the Six to Twelve Year Old. That's a challenging age. Welcome, Anna, to the program. Thank you very much. Tell me about this. I'm assuming you have children as well from our early conversation. Did that influence you in any way in putting this book together? Tell us more of your background. Sure. Well, I'm a doctor of clinical psychology, so I work with children and families and young people. And one of the things that I really wanted to do was to put a book out there that was easy for families to read when they were in trouble and when they needed some input, something that they could just pick up and find some solutions to their problems. And also wanted to reach people that maybe didn't come and see me in the clinic. So that was the motivation behind it. And the style of book is easy reading. 
Yes, yeah, it's very easy. It's, it's, it's a very small book so that the intention was that if I was a mother and I was distressed, I could pick it up in the evening, have a quick flick through it and get some great ideas that I could in, put into practice the next day with my kids to hopefully help give me some resources to manage them differently. D- describe the layout of your book. If I have a 12-year-old child who is throwing temper tantrums about what they want to wear to school or some other issue... Is that something mm-hmm. that's researchable easily in your book? Yeah, look, I think it is. I mean, it, it talks about how to build relationships with our children, how do we give effective instructions to our kids, how do we have their expectations of our children. And it's, it's, it's because it's not a thick book, a parent can read through that front page and go, oh, okay, I'm going to go and look at chapter two and it's going to describe for me certain things that might help me right now when I'm in a, in a crisis point with that child. Well, I'm calling from the United States. You are in Australia. I believe in general children are pretty much the same worldwide. Tell me what you are seeing in your counseling sessions. What is the issue that you deal with the most? Well, it's it's pretty varied because I specialize in kids under the age of 25. I mean, the presentation of a two-year-old is so different to a 14-year-old. But generally speaking, if we're thinking of parents and, and parenting, because I guess that's what the book's about, one of the big things I see parents doing um, in maybe not the best way is how they're actually issuing clear instructions. And so um, I work a lot with parents on how do we issue instructions that are clear that kids are likely to follow through with and comply with what's being asked of them. And so I talk a lot with parents around giving instructions that are direct and clear um, stating what's expected in, in that certain situation and I talk with parents how we can give those instructions so that a child's less likely to ignore and more likely to begin to demonstrate the behaviour you want to actually see. Can you give so, us an actual illustration of something that we could adapt? All right, so for instance, um, when we give an instruction to a child, we need to make sure that the child heard the instruction. And the best way to ensure that that happens is to get close to the child before speaking. So I always talk to parents about proximity. So it's this idea of be about an arm's length away from your child so that you know that they're hearing what's what you're requesting. So it's not that I'm shouting from the kitchen up the stairs to a child who's in their bedroom, get your shoes and come downstairs. I'm actually going to where the child is and I'm within an arm's length of them and I'm telling them what it is that they need to do. But what I'm also doing is I'm giving that child enough time to process what's being asked of them and we know that children take much longer to process information than we as adults take so I'm helping parents to not only go to their child and to be use their proximity with their child but then how to actually issue those instructions so that they're going to have some success um, and it's about telling a child what it is that we're needing from them. So one instruction might just be, um, it may be, Jessie, it's time to come to the table for dinner now, please. And we've got to give Jessie time to respond to that instruction. So it's about five seconds. And five seconds is quite a long time. And I'll often get parents to count that out in their head, you know, one and two, et cetera, et cetera. And then if the child hasn't listened, then I might repeat that instruction. Um, but usually a child will comply because we're right there. We're, we're telling them exactly what it is they need to do, and then the child comes and does what's asked of them. 
Do you feel it's necessary for parents to get on an eye-to-eye level with children when you're giving instructions? Yeah, look, I don't. I often don't insist on eye contact because that can lead to an argument in itself. Mm. Um, but generally speaking, if I'm within an arm's length of my child, I know that they're going to hear me. Um, and we all make errors in our parenting with how we issue instructions. But if we know we've issued an effective instruction, well, then we should see a child that does as they're asked. Most of the time, anyway. And as a parent, I often, I don't like to admit this, but did go to my child <laughs> and say, I made a mistake. I mishandled that. Would you forgive me? Yes. Is that something yeah, that also absolutely. is appropriate? Absolutely. It's so important that we're real with our kids. And very often, um, we might, so I can think of my own family. I'll come in the door. I've been at work all day. It's been a big, big day. The kids are at home. It's dinner time. And... Somebody, one of the children throws a demand, throws a question, wanting, mummy, mummy, I need blah, blah, blah. And you may walk in the door and go, no, 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 not right now. And then the child's distressed because that's really important to them. So it's okay to say, oh, honey, I'm sorry. I was quick to say no. Tell me what it is that you're wanting. Or if we've behaved in a way that we're not proud of or we've behaved in the, as the parent we don't really want to be, just say to our child, you know, it was really wrong of me to raise my voice at you just then. I'm sorry. Now let's try and talk about this in a calm way together. So absolutely admitting that you're wrong is so important to kids because it allows them to admit that they've made a mistake too. Because if we don't ever own our own behavior, how can we expect our children to own their own behavior? Absolutely a good idea. Uh, One question I have, discipline is a hot topic. What is your advice? How do you get them to do something that they don't want to do and have natural consequences? Sure, sure. Look, it depends what it is because I think every situation is so different. And I think for kids, just like for us, we all need incentives to do things that maybe we don't really want to do. So for some situations, the incentive of just achieving what's been asked of them is enough. You know, it might just be that mum's really proud. Mum gives you a hug. Mum gives you a pat on the back. Or it might be that if I've packed my school bag and I'm organised on time, then daddy's going to take me out for a hot chocolate before I get on that school bus. So they're natural rewards, I suppose, just for a child doing what is needed. But if it's something bigger than that, so say a child um, is really, really nervous about catching the school bus um, and is feeling really, really unsure about if they can manage that, then you may need to put some um, rewards into that for them. So it might be, look, sweetie, when you get on that bus and you get yourself off to school today, when you get home from school, then we can do something special together. So there may be a gentle reward in it like that. I do try to steer away from monetary rewards with kids, but it's about finding their currency. And if their currency is a new book, well, then that's okay. If a family's in a position that they're buying that new book, I don't have a problem with that. You know, in my family, the currency for my kids is my 12-year-old. For her, it would be um, new iTunes outputs so she can download music from the internet. For my my 7-year-old, it would be anything to do with horses. So it's about finding their currency and working within that in whatever way fits for a family. So sometimes parents think, oh, it must mean... You know, I have to spend all this money and I have to do huge, huge things with them. No, that's not what we're saying. It's more that sense of give them some incentive to do things that are harder for them. I don't know if that answers your question. Excellent advice. I certainly do relate to that. Your book, who who is it going to appeal to and why? Well, it's going to appeal to to parents um, and caregivers. 
um, of kids under the age of 12. Um, although I've written it sort of saying it's for the, say, the 6 to 12-year-old, you can, you can apply these strategies to preschool-age children as well. Um, but it's definitely going to appeal to parents um, and certainly parents who are wanting to better their parenting ability, parents that are wanting to um, really, really um, help their kids to develop into really, really confident, happy young, well-adjusted young people. And how long did it take you to fine-tune the ideas in this book and put it together? Look, it was quite quick to put together, but it took me a long time to, to make sure I didn't have any psychology jargon in it. So um, I had to sort of make it uh, that it would fit for anybody that doesn't really know this work. Um, so that took some time, probably another 12 months. And is there anything in this book that might be controversial as far as your techniques well, in Australia, I guess one of the things that I, I think about often is that as a parent, it's really, really important that we steer away from threatening, nagging, shouting and verbal aggression um, or anything that's humiliating directed towards our kids. Um, and although most of us are aware of that, when we're tired or angry or frustrated, sometimes it's unrealistic to think that you're going to get it right all the time. And so one of the things I talk about is the way that it's, it's okay in those moments, like we've said before, to say to a child, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess for me, it's about that sense of let's just be authentic in what we do with our kids. So I don't know if that so much is controversial, but it's just allowing parents to make mistakes and repair it. It's allowing parents to say, I did the wrong thing, let's figure this out together. And it's about collaborative relationships. It's working collaboratively with our kids instead of us being the powerful one and them just having to do as they're told. I agree with that. That's that's good advice. Mm. Were there challenging parts to writing this book? Oh, for me, it was challenging just juggling my clinical load and my family life. Yeah, just finding the actual time to sit down and, and put it together. That was challenging. The book title, again, is Parenting the Middle Years, Made Easy, something a lot of parents are going to love to get a hold of. They need to get a bag of tricks to approach parenting the 6- to 12-year-old. Thank you, Anna, for joining us today. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Tell me where we can get copies of your book. You can get it um, online. You can get it from Ex Libris. You can get it from the Book Depository and Amazon. Um, and at some point it will be in local bookshops. I'm just not sure which ones at the moment. Did you enjoy the process enough that you maybe have another book in the works? <laughs> yeah, look, I've started working on my book on um, parenting the preschool age child, so that should be out in the next 12 months, hopefully. Fabulous. We'll have a complete series then if we have a baby <laughs> or a middle-aged child or maybe even a teenager. Yeah. Are you up for a teenage book as well? Maybe, maybe. <laughs> That's a brave move to write one on teenagers. They're such a tricky bunch. They so maybe, are. it may well come. Thank you for joining us today. We enjoyed the visit. You're very welcome. For Ex Libris On Air, this is Jay Douglas Barker. Ex Libris returns after these short messages. Join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com.
Helen Wu was born and raised in San Francisco's Chinatown. And after a very difficult upbringing, fighting depression, abuse, and addictions, she finally finds herself genuinely happy inside and out. Helen believes in taking our positive thinking and doing something positive to achieve a positive outcome. She's here to make a positive difference in your life, to be your game changer, your aha moment mentor. She's ready to help both men and women get into a better place. Helen Wu is also the author of Self-Aid Success Stories, 25 Success Stories from Successful Entrepreneurs. Inspired by Ellen DeGeneres, Helen wants the world to know that just because we find ourselves in a difficult situation doesn't mean we have to stay there. We can aid ourselves to a better life. So join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Ex Libris with your host, Steve Jorgensen. Greetings for Steve Jorgensen and for Ex Libris On Air. This is J. Douglas Barker. Today I am visiting with author Lana Schneider to discuss a true story titled Shay Shay Shenanigans. Shay Runs Away. I think this story is about a puppy dog that she has as part of her family, probably runs the family. It says Shay Shay is an accomplished jumper, runner, and overall outdoor enthusiast. And as a German Shepherd, English Setter mix, she can find just about anything by using her nose alone. And it goes on from there. Tell me about this story. How did you get started to write this story? What uh, was the motivation? Well, Shay Shay is my middle dog, and um, she is just a spitfire and absolutely loves life more than anything or anyone on the planet, I think. And um, she has been a thorn in my side since we got her six years ago. Um, because she uh, jumps the fence. She runs off, you know, any any opportunity she gets, she leaves the yard, and I have to go chase her, which ends up, you know, with me either paying a fine or going to the police station to get her or some wacky thing. So, so She has a police record then? Oh, yeah, she does. <laughs> she does. All three of my dogs have uh, mug shots at the police station, thanks to uh, her. Amazing. She's just a funny creature. So one day I decided that, no, Shay is not going to leave a legacy of just being the bad dog. She is going to leave a legacy better than that. So I decided to start writing about her silly antics. And that's how I came up with um, Shay Shay's shenanigans. It's a fairly short book. I will tell the readers or tell the listeners it's 28 pages, but it's well written. And it has beautiful illustrations. Is this one adventure that Shay Shay got involved in, or is this a compilation of just her antics? Yes, she definitely ran away. When I wrote that first book, the story was true. <laughs> and that at the end of the book, um, you know, it says she never thought of running away again. That was true at the time I wrote it because she was being pretty good. And you, wrote it the same day that she, and you wrote it the same day that she returned, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I wrote it a while before I got it published. and uh, um, But yes, it is a true story. She went around town doing her thing and, as usual, got caught. And uh, I had to go get her, and she had to be in the doghouse for the night. <laughs> oh, boy. You have a five-foot fence trying to keep her in the yard for two years, and yet... She has eaten your Advil bottle, 
yeah. Ambien bottle? Mm-hmm. Is she needing to be on meds, or what's happening there? Did you say, is she on meds? Is she on meds, yes. <laughs> I wasn't going um, to accuse you of being on meds. I just was curious whether your <laughs> dear pet was on meds. No, she probably should be, but she tends to only eat my things. She doesn't eat our daughter's or my husband's things. It's always just my things. Has it ever made her ill? No, actually. I tell the uh, vet every time we have to go in there to get all three dogs' stomach pumped in case, you know, the other dogs got a bit of it. I always tell them, you can't kill this dog. He's unkillable. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a wonderful trait. Certainly one I would uh, admire in a, a pet that owned me. <laughs> yeah, she's got more than nine lives. Uh, this book, who do you think it will appeal to? It's going to appeal to um, small children from three years old to about eight years old. Um, they're going to really love Shay's antics. And like you said, the illustrations are so well done that um, it really brought out the character of Shay. And um, I think that the kids who get to read this book or get the book read to them, they're going to really enjoy the cartoons and all of the um, shenanigans she gets involved in. This would make a great starter book for children who are just learning to read as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I purposefully left some, uh, some big words in the book, like proceed or anxious. Um, on purpose because I wanted those words to be in there so that the parents or the person reading the book to the children, um, you know, it will start some dialogue between the child and the parent or um, just the student and the teacher maybe, you know. So it's not, I don't, I didn't want it to just be a book they read alone. I wanted it to start some dialogue about the book or the subject. I think that's an excellent approach. You didn't dumb down the the content just to appeal to small children. That's that's very, uh, very well thought out. Yeah, thank you. How long did it take you to put this book together? It took me, it took me about two years after I wrote it to be ready and have the means to get it published. And the timing was interesting because my mom had died and that um, prodded me to take a look at the book again and, you know, rewrite it. And once the, once the initial um, editing was done on my part, um, it took from calling its Libra to start this project to getting a book on my front doorstep about six to nine months. All right. And do you have a background as an author or is this your first publication? This is my first publication. I have a background in uh, songwriting, and um, so I never, I never thought I'd write a novel or anything because that to me is just too tedious. So I can handle the children's book variety <laughs> that'll hold my attention span. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I think we're kindred spirits. I, 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 yeah, I can handle a fifteen twenty minute interview, but I do have a short attention span. I can certainly relate to that. Um, th- <laughs> Perhaps, do you think this might be picked up as a animated series and you could write the music for that? I really hope so, that, um, you know, it'll, it'll get turned into a cartoon. Um, I never thought about writing the music or the, the, the jingle, you know, 
Um, but yeah, that is definitely something that I could handle, writing a jingle for a little song. Um, but yeah, I really want Shay to be the star and hopefully with her crazy antics and um, being able to bring her actually out and about to visit kids around the United States. I just hope that they fall in love with her enough to where she could warrant a cartoon. I think you should start by writing the jingle and then sending the book off to some potential producers and see what happens. Well, good advice. I will do that. And it should go with the book, obviously. I mean, this is the intro, is the uh, music side, so that'll get their attention, then they'll read the book. Ah, good advice. Thanks. Any underlying message that you feel the reader will take away from this work? Underlying message. Is there a hidden theme or moral to the story? Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, I'm hoping that children will um, realize that through Shay's actions in Shay Runs Away, that it's not safe to leave your yard unsupervised, not safe to go roaming around the neighborhood. As humans, we can get kidnapped and hurt um, and or lost. And I hope that that message is relayed through Shay Shay's mistakes, that you, know, you don't want to leave your yard unsupervised as a child, and it's definitely not going to make your parents happy, that's for sure. Great advice. Was there anything challenging about putting this piece together in book form? Yes, the editing was a challenge for me because I had, I was being very wordy in the beginning stages and I really had to cut a lot of details out um, in order to make it uh, children's book friendly and to keep my, my illustrations down to a minimum. That was a big challenge for me. Well, you mentioned you have two other dogs and cats. Why did you choose Shay Shay as your character? She is the middle dog. She is my problem dog. <laughs> and she, she's the only one who gets into trouble doing the stuff she does. I was wondering if this book might lead to a series of books about Shay Shay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to keep the series. It's going to be called Shay Shay Shenanigans. And the subtitles will be specific to the person which she runs away, about her running away, and the consequences of doing that. And the next book, which is already out and published, it's She Goes to the Doctor. Um, she goes through the basic steps of a doctor's visit, except for she's at the vet. And uh, it shows small children, they don't need to be afraid of a doctor. It's really not that big of a deal for a basic visit. Shay goes through all the little motions so they don't have to be scared. And um, the, the up-and-coming other books in the series are going to be based around a topic that may be scary for small children or something that they might be thinking about that could have, bad, could have a bad outcome. For example, you know, getting a puppy. You know, that's not always something that turns out great for the family because they didn't realize how much responsibility goes along with having a puppy. So it's things like that that I want to uh, teach small children through Shay that will hopefully you know, help the parents out and um, you know, show responsibility or safety. Well, Lana, that is a <laughs> wonderful concept, and best of luck with that in the future. The book, again, is Thank titled you. Shay Shay Shenanigans, Shay Runs Away.
the author, Lana Schneider. Thank you, Lana, for joining us. Thank you. How do we get copies of this book? You can get them at www.shayshayshenanigans.com. And Shay Shay is spelled S-H-E-A, just for those who are uh, full of questions about how the correct spelling should be. It's S-H-E-A. S-H-E-A. It's quite the tongue twister. I did that on purpose, too, because can you imagine how adorable small kids trying to say that? (laughs) (laughs) I can. I can. And uh, you have it online. Do you have a website yet? Yep. The website is shayshayshenanigans.com. She has a Facebook page for fans. Also, it's shayshayshenanigans. And you can also order them on amazon.com and barnesandnoble.com. Highly recommend this for children and for parents who like to go back and visit their childhood. Great book, great illustrations. Thank you, Lana, for joining us. Thank you. For Ex Libris On Air, this is J. Douglas Barker. Join Steve Jorgensen next week at the same time as he explores the passion and the inspiration behind the works of today's authors. Right here on Ex Libris On Air.